one verse says, Do you know Jesus, my Lord and Savior, Jesus, the Son of God? Have you ever shared, have you ever shared of his favor? Oh, sweet wonder. Amen. What a wonder, what a wonder the Lord is. I wish somebody would thank him for that this morning. Would somebody just lift up your voice and not be ashamed or afraid or whatever it is that might be intimidating? Come on, lift up your voice and let's praise Him right now. Oh, yes, Jesus, Jesus, we love you today, Lord. We praise you. We bless your name. We bless your name. Again, we say thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. and We appreciate always guests, so our church family. We say to all of you, please make sure to make our guests feel welcome when our service is over here. If you have your Bibles and will turn with me, I will direct your attention for a few moments this morning to the second chapter of Samuel, Samuel chapter 2 and verse, or chapter 9, 2 Samuel chapter 9, and I will begin reading with verse number 1. If you don't have a Bible, you can look up on the walls. You will see the scripture. and You can read along with me. It reads like this. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art Thou Ziba, and he said, Thy servant is he. The king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And everyone said, Amen. Is there anyone that I may show the kindness of God unto. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning from this subject. It's still amazing. Amen. It's still amazing. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord this morning. Our text is one of the most amazing stories that you will ever find recorded in Scripture. It is, in truth, more than just a story. It is a powerful, powerful message about one of the great things that God is to all of us. Saul, as many of you were aware, had fallen in battle And now David had arisen to take his place on the throne. The people that had once been divided had been brought together and now there was a unity in Israel that had not been there in a long time. The people united, great things were happening, God was blessing. One day as David was reminiscing over all that had transpired, everything that had happened, he remembered his predecessor. Though Saul had not been always kind to him, he remembered there were things about Saul that were worthy of honor and respect. And when he considered that, 
he wondered if there were any that were left of Saul's family that he might show some kindness to. And so he told it to his court and it was told him that there's a man who knows that you, you could talk to by the name of Ziba. Ziba comes and tells him that yes, there is one named Mephibosheth, young, young man who is lame on his feet. David sent for Mephibosheth and tells him that life is going to change for you. And you're going to come and live with me and you're going to eat at my table as long as I live. How suddenly life had changed for Mephibosheth just a short time past. One day he was living as a young prince in the palace of the king, enjoying all the luxuries of life and comfort and abundance and always having plenty to eat and nothing really wrong in his life. And the next moment he's a cripple. One moment he's well and the next moment he is damaged for life. Dropped as he is hurried out of the city as they try to escape what they fear will be the wrath of David as he ascends to the throne. He is forced into exile and forced into hiding. And so Mephibosheth goes away and lives in that place of fear and a place where I'm certain that he was always looking over his shoulder, wondering when time would catch up with him, living in fear that one day he would be found out. And when he was found out, he would suffer the fate of all of the other sons of Saul and all of the children of the house of Saul. Life had happened to him in just that way. And so it has for many of us. Many of our lives began peaceful and everything was going our way and somewhere along the line something changed in a moment and life went from being peaceful and helpful and whole to being crippled and lacking and wanting. And in the process of all that had happened in life, many people get crippled and there are perhaps even some among us today that have been crippled by life. But I've come this morning not to dwell on our crippled condition, but to point out to you that as suddenly as he became a cripple, that's how suddenly life could change for the better for this man named Mephibosheth. Just as suddenly as he was swept out of the city of Jerusalem into hiding and into a place of seclusion, now he is ushered back into the throne room and into the banqueting hall of King David. And he is sought out now by the king. He is, he, he is pursued by this man that he at one time was running from. And here, here in this story is the great example of grace and what grace does in a life or in a person's life. Wonderful, wonderful things happen when grace happens to us. Mephibosheth could have been whatever you could imagine in life and he could have been far away as he was, but grace found him and brought him back. And I am certain this morning that Mephibosheth could not 
have ever imagined how quickly life could change when grace came into his life. I don't think he could have imagined how things were going to transpire. I, I don't think he could fathom the change that was about to take place in his life because of grace. Somebody say with me, thank you God for grace. Come on, say it with me. Thank you God for grace. Suddenly his tomorrows were about to be better than his yesterdays. And his hiding was going to be ended and he was going to be welcomed into a family. One more day of struggle and one more day of survival was going to turn into a life of blessing and plenty and abundance and peace. And he would not have to be afraid anymore. Oh, what wonderful things that grace does in a person's life. Hallelujah. He was about to experience the most wonderful thing that any human being can experience. And that is grace. And I say this morning to all of you, it's still so amazing. Hallelujah. What a wonder he is. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What a wonder he is. I wonder among us this morning, who of us could have ever imagined what grace would change in our life? Who among us this morning that have experienced grace could have ever imagined what was coming our way when God came after us? When you knelt at an altar or you turned your heart over to Him, could could you even fathom what was about to transpire in your life? None of us could. None of us really understand what happens when grace comes. But I'm going to show you a picture of grace this morning. I'm going to tell you again this morning what grace is doing and what grace has done and what grace still wants to do for somebody here in this building. And it is found here in our text. The Bible said that when David began to inquire, he sent men after Mephibosheth. The wonderful thing about grace is grace remembers us. Grace does not forget who we are and doesn't forget that we exist. Many may overlook us and some may ignore us and a lot of people may despise us, but grace always remembers us. Remembered by the king. I don't know how many of you have been forgotten by others this morning. And I don't know, maybe somebody here this morning has been abandoned by somebody or somebody has walked away from you and left you. But I've come to tell you that grace will never walk away from you. And grace will never leave you because grace remembers. Grace remembers. And because grace remembers, Mephibosheth was brought back into the court of the king. Crippled as he may be, God still remembers. I'm so thankful for grace that remembers this morning. It remembers that I am but dust. It remembers that I am frail and I am weak. And grace remembers that I cannot make it on my own. And because grace remembers, grace is willing to go out and seek after us 
until it finds us. And so grace goes out and finds Mephibosheth. Grace comes looking for him. Grace doesn't begin with how good you and I are. Grace begins with the king. And the king is good. And the king said, I want you to enjoy what I have. I want you to be in my family. I want you to be my child. And so grace came seeking after us. When we were sitting on a bar stool, Grace wasn't afraid to come into that dive. Amen. When some people were locked away in a dark room with a needle shoved up their arm, Grace wasn't afraid to knock on the door and come in. When men and women were cheating on each other and lying to one another, Grace didn't mind to invade that household and come and sit on the side of the bed and say, Hey, I've got a better life for you. You were made for something better than this. I didn't create you for this kind of hell. Why don't you come and live with me? Oh, folks, it's still amazing. I said it's still amazing. I know some of you are looking at me right now and you've seen so much that you've forgotten just how amazing grace is. And if it had not been for the grace of God this morning, we wouldn't even know you or recognize you or know what kind of person you are. Grace came looking for him. I'm thankful for grace that looks and grace that seeks. And I want you to notice where grace found him. If you read on down in the verse, you'll find that grace found Mephibosheth in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar was a desolate desert place and it meant literally no pasture. If there's no pasture, there's no cattle, there's no goats, there's no animals, there's no sheep. If there's no pasture, there's no life. It's a place that nobody would want to live. But folks, that's where most of us were when God found us. We were in a place that had no future, it had no hope, it had no promise. It was taking us further and further and further and further away until grace showed up on our door. Grace knocked on our door. God came knocking and looking and he'll come even to Lodabar. You see, the wonderful thing about grace is it's not afraid to come into your hell to take you out to his heaven. Amen. Oh, yeah, grace isn't afraid to come into your hell and bring you out and into a better setting. I'm thankful for grace that comes seeking and it came looking. But that's not all that grace does. When grace got there, when grace found Mephibosheth, grace found a crippled man, grace found a wounded man, grace found a man that couldn't function on his own, grace found a man that was in our terminology dysfunctional in his world, but grace didn't turn and walk away. Grace just scooped him up and carried him all the way back to the king's house and put him at the king's table. That's why grace is so amazing. That when you can't get to him and you're too crippled to even walk, grace will come where you are and grace will pick you up and bring you to where you need to be. Somebody ought to say thank you for grace. Thank you for grace this morning, Lord. The King's grace is not dependent on your ability or my ability, but upon His alone. When you can't, grace can. Amen. How many times have I 
as a pastor talked with people that needed to make a change in their life. And how many times have I heard them tell me, Brother Hughes, I just can't. I, I just can't seem to break the addiction. I can't seem to break the habits. Every time I get up, I fall back in the same hole. I don't know. I must just be doomed to failure. Maybe I was just made to be this way. But grace doesn't care what kind of problem you have. Grace doesn't care how crippled I am. Grace doesn't care how messed up your life is. Grace doesn't care that you've been abused, that you've been abandoned or left. It doesn't matter with grace. When you can't get there, grace will get to you. And when you can't even get on your feet, grace is strong enough to come even into the hell where you live. That's why it's still so amazing to me. That when I can't get to Him, grace will come to me. When you can't, grace can. And it will carry you into the right place. The place where you can find help. It will carry you to a place where you will be loved. It will carry you to a place where you will be helped. When you can't go on, grace will carry you on. Hallelujah. On to a better place. On to a better life. On to a better future. Somebody ought to thank God for grace that carries us. Hallelujah. Grace that carries us. I want to tell you, over the last few months of our church life, there's been a lot of us that's been carried by grace because we've been too crippled to walk on our own. We've been too hurt and damaged. Somebody hurt us. Somebody talked about us. Somebody gossiped. Somebody put something on Facebook about us. And it wounded us. And we come into church wounded. And we go through life wounded. And we live and act wounded. But, but somehow in all of that, somehow in our messed up world and with our messed up mind, grace still comes and knocks on our door and said, hey, I'd like for you to come and live with me. I've got a better place than here. I've got a place where there's abundance. I've got a place where there's plenty. I've got a place where there's actually peace. I've got a place where you can live, where you actually get along and function in a normal way. Come on and live in my house, Grace says. And Grace picks us up and carries us where we can't go on our own. Somebody ought to say thank you for grace. Hallelujah. Not only did grace pick him up and carry him, but grace changed him. Grace changed him. The things that changed in his life were amazing. He went from lacking and wanting and needing and hurting to having everything that he wanted. Everything that he could ever desire was put at his disposal. He was invited to come to the king's table and oh, the difference grace made in Mephibosheth's life. You see, you and I don't keep living in the same pig pen when grace comes knocking. There's something about grace that won't leave you in that kind of mess. I know we live in a messed up world. And I know we live in an age of sloppy agape. And I know that we live in an age where people say they are Christian or they are believers, but their life doesn't reflect anything different. I'm here to tell you that when grace comes into your life, 
It will change the way you live. It will change the location of your living. You won't stay in Lodabar anymore. You'll come to where the king is. You're not going to stay in that place where there's no future and no hope and no blessing and no help. But you're going to get up and come to a place where there's everything that you need. The table has spread with plenty and God has prepared for us all the things that we need for life and godliness. Grace brings us into a different surrounding and it puts into our life different friends. Amen. Did you hear me? It puts into our life different friends. It brings us into a place where we can experience wonderful change in our life. Grace isn't finished working. Grace enables us to overcome the crippled past. His life was crippled and affected by a fall and fear and anger and bitterness had no doubt been a part of his life. And I am sure that there were times when Mephibosheth said, Why me? Why, why me? But grace helped him get over his past. Amen. Did you hear me this morning? Are you listening to this pastor this morning? Or have I just become a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal to some of you? Have I got to the place where I can't reach some of you that are sitting on these pews right now that are trying to live in your past and you don't want to get away from your past and grace is saying to you, come on, get out of that place. You're better than that. Leave that world behind you and come on and let's go to a new and better life than you can even imagine Whatever it is that has crippled you, grace enabled him to get up even in his crippled condition and come and live in the king's house. And you know what? His crippled condition didn't matter anymore after that. Because every time he hobbled up to the table to sit down to eat, there was a covering that covered his crippledness and nobody could even see that he was crippled. You see, that's what grace does for us. Grace brings us to a place where when we sit down, all of our shortcomings and all of our fallings are hidden. So when people look at us, they only see us from the waist up. They can't see our legs are bent, our arms are twisted. All they can see is what grace has done. It's brought us to a wonderful place. I want to tell you, there's some people here this morning that if you had seen what sin would have done to them, you wouldn't recognize them this morning. But they're here and they look whole and full. Why? Because grace, grace, grace has done an amazing work in all of our lives. Who among us has not been hurt or hit at one time or other, but you don't have to live like that. Grace will help you to get past your crippledness. Amen. Grace not only does that, but grace invites you to a better place. He still had to agree to come, but grace said, I've got a place for you. He didn't feel worthy. If you read the text, the Bible said he referred to himself as a dog. He didn't think he was worthy, but grace isn't based on whether you're worthy or not. Grace is based on what God wants to do in your life and mine. He could have said easily, I'm not worthy. I'm used to this. I just... I'm, I'm kind of settled in. Don't bother me, Brother Hughes. Leave me alone. He could have easily said that, but he let go. What a wonderful thing when you let go. Amen. When you quit letting your crippleness be an excuse and you allow grace to come in and begin to work in your life, what a wonderful miracle happens 
when we let go of our crippleness. Amen. What a wonderful message God's trying to speak to somebody here this morning. That if you'll just let go, it, that, that won't matter anymore. Amen. That won't matter anymore. He let go of his crippleness and he came into the place where the king wanted him to be. You may have lost a lot of things in life, but God is able to replace and restore. Grace introduces us to what we were born to be. Amen. Whatever life has done to you, whatever life has done to affect the way you live and how you look at life, grace says, you're mine. I want you to come and live with me. Grace introduces you to what you were born to be. You were not born to be depressed. You were not born a loser. You were not born to be lost. You were not born to be discouraged. You were not born to be forgotten. You were not born to be abandoned or left on the side of the road. Grace says, you're better than that. Grace says, I want you to come and live with me so you can discover who you were really born to be. And what an amazing thing grace has done in our lives. He has made us sons of God. He has come that you and I might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Somebody lift their hands with me right now. And let's thank God for His grace. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Grace offers more than a passing fancy, more than a fleeting hope. Grace offers permanence. David said to Mephibosheth, Son, I want you to come and live in my house, and you can live in my house as long as I am king. Amen. So you know what that means? That means as long as he reigns, I can live in his house. As long as he reigns, I can enjoy his blessings. As long as he reigns, I can enjoy his courts. Oh, what a blessing to know. His grace has found me. His grace heals me. His grace restores me. His grace helps me. Do you understand this morning what I'm talking about? When I say to you, it's still so amazing. When you think about grace and what grace has done for us and to us and in us and where it has brought us and what it has taken us away from and what it has helped us overcome and what it has helped us put behind us. Do you understand why I say to you it's still so amazing? Oh God, what a mystery. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. The King... The king of grace is calling this morning because the king values all of us. The king wants you and I in his presence. You're not trash. You're not worthless. You're, listen to me. This, would somebody listen to me this morning? You're not too broken to fi be fixed. You're, you're not too messed up to be made again. You're, you're not too far away for God to be able to find you. If God could find a man in Lodabar, He can find a man in Webster. Oh, yeah. He, he can find a man or a woman 
Yeah, he, he can find you in League City or Friendswood or Pearland. Wherever it is that we hide out, grace says you're better than that. You're not too broken to be fixed. You're not too broken that I can't help you. I want you to come and live in my house. I can't make anybody respond to the grace of God, but if some of you would just wake up and realize what grace is offering you, you'd get up and get out of where you're living. You'd get sick and tired of all of the depression and the fear and all the stress that it brings and all of the unrest and the peace that's missing and say, you know what, God, I want what Mephibosheth got. I want what you offered at Calvary, that wonderful, wonderful gift of Calvary. I want that grace in my life. I want grace that's strong enough to carry me when I can't walk, when I can't get there on my own. Grace carries. I remember hearing a man testify one night about how it all transpired in his life when God began to deal with him. He came in to a service and he sat toward the back and God was moving and the Lord was there. And God began to deal with him. He got hold of the back of that pew and he just held on, just a death grip. Preacher preached, altar call time was given and he still got his hands dug into the the pew. I mean, he's almost put his fingerprints in into that wood. He's got such a stronghold. And he said all of a sudden it was like something just reached out and picked him up and lifted him. And he said, before I realized what I was doing, I was walking down the aisle. And he said, I didn't even know how I got there until I got to the front and I lifted my hands. That's what grace does. That's what grace does. It'll carry us. Amen. Brother Cox, you remember when my brother sat right there? You got up to go around before you could ever get to him. He was already in the altar. He said, I don't know what happened. He just said, I knew I had to move. That's what happens when grace works. Amen. Anybody here thankful for grace this morning? None of us deserve it. None of us, none of us deserve it. But oh, how we need it. I don't know why I'm preaching like I am right now and I don't know why it's so difficult for me to get this message through to somebody here today but I'm preaching to somebody in this building today specifically that's been living in a hell. Maybe you created yourself. I don't know. Maybe a tormenting place. A place where you've been depressed. You've even thought of taking your own life. You've thought it wasn't worth living. Grace is knocking this morning. Grace is calling this morning. Grace says, come on, get up. You're better than that. Come on, come on. Come and live with me. Come to my house. Come, come on over to, to, to my house. I've got lots of room, and I want you there. That's what's so great about God is He wants me here. There's a lot of people that don't want me around, but God wants me. And he's calling me this morning. He's saying, come on. You're here this morning and, and, and you realize where grace has brought you from. I think you ought to be the first ones out of your pew this morning coming to this altar with your hands lifted. Saying, you know what, God, it's still so amazing. It's still so amazing. 
I can't believe you brought me from where you brought me. I can't believe I've got all I've got. I can't, I can hardly believe where I am today, God. If it, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, God, what would I be and where would I be today? But oh, the grace of God. Oh, the grace of God. Oh, the grace of God that is abundant. The grace of God that is forever.